0: You know, we sing those songs. You know you know them. Joyful, joyful, we adore you. At Christmas we sing the joy to the world. The Lord has come. There's a psalm that David penned and we actually sing it as a chorus, "You shall go out with joy and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Uh, in Australia, Hillsong proclaimed this song at the start of kind of let's sing choruses in church. Shout to the Lord. I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Or maybe this one, and you can remember this from camp. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down in And so now you'll be singing that the rest of the sermon. That's okay. Do you know that song actually has its own Wikipedia page? So that's how popular that song is. You can check it later. Today we're going to talk about what is joy and why is it important for us as Christ followers, as Christians, to actually live a life of joy. When I was growing up, I uh, I, I, I golfed. And uh, so I kind of, I did two things. I played basketball a lot and I golfed a lot. That was kind of my high school. I figured it out in college that I actually had to work for for my marks, but that's okay. But in junior and senior high, I golfed or I played basketball. And golf, there was this great info commercial back in the day when info commercials were just coming up. And there was an info commercial with the Canadian icon, Dave Barr, showing that he would never miss a puck. It was called the puttoscope, and I thought the puttoscope would make, bring me great joy. And so I convinced my family to buy that for me, and the puttoscope came in the mail, and it didn't look at all like it did on TV. It was basically a mirror that you stuck to your putter that would always fall out. The first time I used it on the golf course, it broke. Joy misplaced. I thought it was going to help me. I thought I would be the envy of all my friends. I thought I will have joy in this frustrating game of God. And I think we as Christians struggle with the definition of joy. And almost make joy a pursuit that ends always in failure. You know, you come to church and what do they tell us? Be joyful. Maybe your spouse looks at you and says, you know what, you need to have some more joy. And so we, we kind of work at joy, almost like when I wake up in the morning, I need to put on the shirt of joy, because that'll carry me for the rest of the day. So what's joy? Let me, let me define it for you. I believe joy is tuning into what God is doing around you. Let me say that again. I actually believe that joy is tuning in to what God is doing around you. Seeing the world through his eyes. Picking up the light in what you see God is already doing. You see anyone can find happiness for a while. Happiness depends on what's happening to us. Like I had a good week. I got vacation. I'm happy. My family is controlled right now. Joy is different. Joy is way deeper. Joy is when your whole being actually sings for joy because you've caught a glimpse of what God is doing at work. Joy creeps up on us and surprises us in unexpected places. Because God loves us, that love always equals joy. You see, joy is the critical fruit for us to have in our characters because it serves as an antidote for all the cynicism and despair that surrounds us. Just flip on the news over the last 15 months. It's a joy killer. The brokenness of the world, us not operating in peace, deflates the emotion of joy. So joy in Matt's world almost becomes something that's never attainable. It's like the the ball that is caught by the wind, and I'm just about to grab it, and the wind carries it further. And I keep running after it, and I can never get a handle on joy. Joy also becomes something that I feel jealous of. Like I look at joyful people, and I go, well, why do they have joy, and I don't have joy? You know, if we looked it up in the dictionary, we would see it described like this. The emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Well, that doesn't help us. That's not a great definition. Joy, for me, feels like when I eat bacon. And really good bacon. Not camp bacon. So what does God say about joy? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 5. This isn't going to be matology. We're going to look at God's word out of it. We're going to learn some themes. But Galatians 5 is a passage that we're familiar with. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so in, in church, we maybe have heard in the past that, okay, here's the list. We've got to work to the list. Maybe you can remember in Sunday school, the list of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all of those things. But as we read it today, I want you to wrestle through it as a progression. I don't believe that the author, Paul, made it where it's like a buffet. Before COVID, we all remember buffets. So you've got to choose whatever you want, and your mom usually said, don't eat the jello first, the good stuff's at the end. But, sometimes with the fruit of the Spirit, we go like this, I'm not very patient, so I'm not going to overcome. You know what? Perseverance isn't for me. But I think the author Paul actually is showing us something that if we actually work and we progress in these things, they all equal the next thing. So look at Galatians 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, those who live according to what God's commands are, is love. Before we even have joy, we actually need to love God and love people. And for some of us, one of those two things are amiss. Either we love God and we struggle with people, or we love people and God's just kind of icing on the cake. So Paul says here, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It starts in love. And then what comes out of love when you're actually a loving person? Guess what? You are a joyful person. So we start with love, we move to joy, as we start to wrestle through what it means to be joyful. A joyful person is never, is not ever not a peaceful person. You are always peaceful when you have joy. How many joyful people have you been around and went, wow, they sure dig up a whole bunch of conflict? Love moves to joy. Joy moves to peace. Peace then moves to this fancy word, forbearance. It just means that I can actually live with somebody. I'm okay in the same mood with that person. They don't drive me up the wall. Love, joy, peace, forbearance. Out of forbearance comes kindness. Out of kindness comes goodness. Out of Goodness comes faithfulness. Out of gentleness comes self-control. If we actually could look at Galatians 5 and go, okay, I actually have to work on being more peaceful, then I believe we would start to live according to the Spirit. But if we look at it as a buffet list, there's things that I go, I don't really want to be a peaceful person. I don't really want to see the good in everybody. Uh, I don't really want to forbear with everybody maybe I need to start simply in loving God and loving people the Jesus creed out of that simple Matthew 22 passage of scripture comes joy because I'm living the life that God's actually called me I, I want to zero in on joy just for a second let me give you some definitions of joy I love uh, I love what Pope Francis said now Subscriber to what everything Pope Francis said, but he said something really powerful, which I need you to hear. If we really want to welcome Jesus into our lives and prolong the joy of that holy night in Bethlehem, the path indicated by his gospel, we need to, as people, give witness in humility, in silent service, without being afraid of going against the current and paying the price. Powerful words. Let me read that again. If we really want to welcome Jesus into our lives and prolong the joy of the holy night, Christmas, the path that's indicated by his gospel, we need to give witness to Christ in humility, in silent service, without being afraid of going against the current and paying the price. Huge work. You see, joy many times is actually found in service. Joy is not something that I get from my surroundings, but it's always a byproduct of service. I believe joy, once again, is when my heart sings because I've caught a loops of God at work. Who can forget? what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside everything that encompasses us or encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for joy Set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility by sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Seriously? Joy when we endure the cross. What was that joy? Wasn't Jesus struggling in the garden before the cross? Joy. How can that much pain and storm be actually a joyful experience? If you remember nothing else this morning, as that sausage is starting to work inside of you, I believe that joy is always the byproduct of surrender. It always follows surrender. Our Christian life starts in surrender. When we accept Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior, we start in surrender. The problem with the majority of us is that surrender isn't a regular occurrence. When Jesus says to us, take up our cross daily, and don't take anything along on this journey, or I've come to do my Father's will, if we actually move to a life of surrender, then maybe you and me would actually be people of joy, true joy, the joy that took Jesus to the cross. Henry Nouwen said this, joy doesn't simply happen to us.
1: You have to choose
0: joy, and we have to choose it every single day. Paul said this in another a uh, book, Philippians chapter one, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I like to say this to students that I work with. The greatest way that I can show God that I love him is to obey Him. That's surrender. If you want to live a life that's more joy-filled, then work to have more surrender in your life. When we surrender, I believe we understand the joy of God. Well, what's the opposite of joy? What are some joy-killers or joy-stealers in my life? It's really simple. When I'm selfish, And when I'm prideful. When I start to take my eyes off of Jesus, like it says in Hebrews chapter 12, when we start to move away from a life of surrender, when I start to think about it's all about me, when I start to hunt for joy, and it moves away from being a relationship with God to something that I have to do, then joy disappears. Charles Spurgeon said this, There's a marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines, now think Buckleys, are distasteful. But this is the best of all medicines. It's sweet to the taste. It's comforting to the heart. This blessed joy is contagious. One spirit can bring a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wrecked seems to stop all birds from singing wherever they go. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy uh, oils the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy strengthens us for our daily labor. Holy joy beautifies us and gives us influence over the lives of others you have your Bibles, I want you to turn back to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. I want you to read a story as he put joy over top of it. So Mark chapter 2 verse 1. A few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he'd come home. They gathered in such large numbers, there was no one, there was no room left. Not even outside the door. He preached the word to them. Some men came Get the image of these men. They brought a guy who was carried by the four of them, a paralyzed man. Verse 4. Since these guys couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they climbed on the roof and started to make a hole in the roof. Now just stop there. Let's take it away from Sunday School for a minute, which some of us would go, oh, that's a cool image, okay. The four guys are on top. There's hundreds of people. As they are taking the roof off, or breaking through the roof, what are the people downstairs doing? Are they going, oh, thanks, that's great, we wanted a skylight? Are they looking, going, oh, please clean up after yourself? Did the four guys have a toolkit because they thought, you know what, just in case the the house is full, we'll need to dig through the roof. These four guys suddenly come up with a plan as they're on top of the roof going, if we break through the roof and our friend sees Jesus, he'll be changed. Let's keep going with the story. Since they couldn't make their way to Jesus, because of the crowd, they made a hole in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then they lowered the mat this man was on. Remember, this wasn't a plan. So they didn't have rope in their back pocket and go, just in case we need to bring rope Now don't get the image of four naked guys on the roof, but that's probably what happened as they tied their clothes together. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed guy, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some religious people, teachers of the law, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was happening and that they were thinking this in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? This is quite the story that's happening. Four guys, probably naked on the roof. The mat is down there. The guy said, your sins are forgiven, which he's not healed yet. Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know, the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive this. So he said to the man, I tell you, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. He got up, took his mat, (laughs) walked out in full view of everyone. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Who are the people praising the most? Probably the four friends. That's joy. Joy, once again, is when you join in on the activity of God here on earth. Joy is pointing people to Jesus. Joy is taking people by the hand, lowering mats through roofs, functioning as the true family of God. As we leave here today, You have the opportunity to change the world and to change the church by becoming people of surrender, which then will bring joy to this world. The world needs joy, especially at a time like this. You've heard me say this before, if you've attended Brentford. Teresa of Abilia penned this great poem in the 1500s. It's going to be our our benediction for us today. This is my challenge to us. Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he does good work in this world. Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. You are his hands, you are his feet, you are his eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. May it be so. Let me pray. God, as we leave here today, may we not be people of joy artificially. May we not just sing songs that have the word joy unintentionally. May the neighborhoods, the environments that we work, the places that we go, may people see that we are joyful people because we've joined in the activity of God here in this world. Teach us what it means to be surrendered. To surrender daily. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit that prompts God to me. We love you and adore you. We ask about well this in your name. Amen. Amen. As you leave, may you be people of joy. And may you grab a chair. And hopefully not. We will see you next Sunday, guys.